Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place, the legend of Korra. Welcome back to Streaming in Place. I am not Kate Kulzik. This is week 25. We are discussing see, book one air, right, of the Legend of Korra, uh, episodes, I didn't look up episode numbers, crap, <laughs> out of the past and turning the tides. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm not Kate Kulzik, and the reason that I'm doing this is because I, I've been simmering like, um, like a tea kettle about to boil where you just hear the like rumble, you know, like the low rumble before the scream. Um, because I, what I want to know is whether or not the two of you decided to play me or you really did. You made it seem like these episodes were like, nah, they're fine. You, you made, you made it seem like that as the, and was it, was it to break my brain finally and fully? Were you like, no coronavirus, no president, this, all of this stuff was finally going to push Allison over the edge is a combination of buying too much murder. She wrote merchandise on Etsy and us not warning her that this huge episode was coming so that her brain would melt out of her ears, which I'm now drinking out of this mug. So before I say anything, were you playing me? Were you two playing me? Uh, first of all, I did not say anything of the sort. I said I no, didn't want to talk about it. So this is on Noel. You said you didn't remember how much you liked these episodes. Yeah, I remember yeah. liking them, but I didn't remember oh like them specifically. God. But they're very oh, good. But no, I feel like this is mostly on you. Yeah, this is mostly directed at me. Oh, um, God, you turd! You utter turd! <laughs> so, here's the thing. I remember Out of the Past really well, and I think Out of the Past is fine, but it, there's some stuff in there, but it just doesn't hit in, I think, the same way. I had kind of forgotten about what happens at the end of Turning the Tides. Like, really? legitimately. Yeah, I had legitimately forgotten. See, um, that's actually even better than you playing me, because it also yeah. means you played yourself. Right, <laughs> no, I had I had legitimately forgotten about some of the stuff at uh, Turning the Tides, except for General Iroh showing up, voiced by... Dante Vasco. Voiced by Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> because why not? Um, because that's not confusing for anyone. Um, but I honestly also, didn't find it confusing. Okay, but, but let's talk about that later. Continue. Well, but also what I appreciated, and I was just like, this was something that I was really appreciating, like at the beginning of our discussion of this whole season of, oh right, no, she thinks Sasami looks like Vanessa. Wait until we meet new General Iroh, <laughs> <laughs> um, because guess what, everyone? Here's Prince Eric. <laughs> yep, totally. Um, so Allison, since you're in charge, where do you want to start? Um, well, I guess, let you know what, Noel, with your great yeah. memory, let's start with you. And I, and I want to make sure that we talk about out of the past. And I'm also yeah. happy to hand this back over to Kate now because I really shouldn't manage this conversation, but let me set up the beginning of it. Um, we should talk about out of the past, but there is so much that happens in turning the tides that, um, I, it made me think quite a lot about the number of times you've mentioned that Cora was only supposed to be a one season show, uh, because this is like four episodes. Turning the yeah. tides is so many episodes in one. So is do you think that's part of why you don't really remember? And how was it returning to this episode with sort of fresher eyes? 
I think that's part of the reason why I don't remember is that there's just a lot of stuff that happens. Um, and I think that there's also just the fact that I haven't rewatched this section of the season in particular, I think very much, whereas I've rewatched like the first half, like weirdly a couple of times. Um, I just never continued on. Um, so a lot of this is actually going to be a little like new almost for me. Like I remember the general arc of how everything with Amon plays out. Um, but I don't remember like other things like the actual, the A to B, I don't know, but I know Z. So I can't solve for A, B, C, and D, but I can solve for Z because I know what Z is. <laughs> um, so going back to this, in particular, turning the tides, because I remembered everything about out of the past. Um, but going back to turning the tides, I was just like, oh, right. All the stuff with Lynn. Right. And it all came rushing back to me. And, um, so everything where she like zooms off to deal with the blimps and everything. And I'm just getting like, yeah, Lynn mother Beifong. And then I, as soon as I did that, I remembered both of the things that happened in this episode, which is Milo saying that lady is my hero, which just breaks you. And then what happens to her with Amon, um, with her bending getting taken away? And I was just like, right, right. I forgot about all of this. And then it like all came cr- rushing back to me when she like went to go pull her a her mom and destroy mm-hmm. a blimp. <laughs> so um, it was a lot. It was a lot. I'd forgotten how much turning the tides had in it. Like all I really legitimately remembered was. Iroh showing up at the end with his Prince Eric haircut and all his warships. <laughs> uh, might you say that turning the tide uh, turns the tides? It does, in theory. Um, but you know, you got to wait for those. Got to wait for those warships to show up in yeah. three days. Um, I like yeah. that turning the tides is like, oh yeah, they turned the tides for Amon. They. Yes, they, yeah. they lost. Everything's coming up a mod. Like, well, usually when we get that title, it's like they're going to turn the tides, and now our heroes are going to. No, not this. the The finale is a two parter, as I recall, and so we're just yeah, headed basically. into like, you know, the end game. Um, and they well, literally the spoiler yeah. alert, the finale. The last episode is called End Game. Um, and they are just not messing around with these episodes. But I, I first I want to talk about Out of the Past because I feel like, Noel, you're underselling it because I thought Out of the Past works really well. I liked all the the flashbacks that we get. I feel like it means a little clunky. They could have be they could be a little bit more elegantly transitioned into and out of. But when we like be you know, they've been teasing little bits of um, you know, our favorites all grown up um and in their forties. <laughs> and so like you know, we, when we they finally show us these scenes, like we know how uh, powerful and um, how just how much how how difficult to best our heroes were when they were fifteen. So after you know, Toph and Ang have had another several decades to hone their skills. The idea that they can be blood bent so easily. At the same time, uh, really tell like just underscores, you know what's happening and the the the, the size of the threat. Um, 
I, I like that they give, <laughs> I like that it's, I mean, it's, they don't stretch it out or anything, but the notion of course, like, well, I'm trapped in a platinum cage. I literally can't go or do anything else. I guess I'll try this meditation thing. Uh, and it immediately works. It's like, it's like Aang knocking on the head and being like, hey, hey, I've been trying to help you out here. Come on. Tarlock, you did me a solid in this very strange and horrible way. Um, but I, I like that she doesn't sit there and yell all that long. She doesn't, she, she just like almost immediately is like, immediately assesses the situation and says, okay, well, here's something I can't do. And then we get our flashback. Uh, Allison, what did you think of the flashbacks? I thought the flashbacks were great. And I think that they're placed sort of perfectly in the season, not just for purposes of exposition and moving the plot forward, but also because seeing them, as you said, Kate, as seeing all of our faves as grownups sort of, I think, plants a seed, a little reminder seed that as children, children can also be formidable children can be heroic children can do incredible things so that you know 20 minutes later in our time at least in the next episode when we see our airbender babies kick ass it's surprising but it feels very connected to atla um it feels like all of a sudden you put a different set of goggles on and your brain sort of shifts to a different age. It's, it was really cool to see those sequences so close together. Um, I liked Out of the Past a lot. Um, not as much as I like Out of the Past, the film. Uh, but <laughs> Well, it's, who doesn't? Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it's very good and sort of similarly elegant to look at. I think it's really well made. Um we get some more chases, lots more chases. It feels like this is a very chase-heavy show, and I'm super into it. Um, some good drama, and that's all great. But mostly, uh, we get those incredible flashbacks, and it, those sort of underline the things that I found to be a little bit wanting in the episode, which made me wish that it had taken more time, um, which is, I think, the most important piece that isn't a piece of information. That's a character thing. Is how Cora is growing, not that Cora is growing, not that Cora is learning to be patient, but how and why and how hard it is to fight, which is some to fight for that, which is something that um, Avatar did really well with all of the characters, but especially with Aang in sort of showing us what was preventing his personal growth and how hard he was working to move past it and the cost sometimes associated with it and the pain and the struggle. And it's not like I want to see Cora suffer, but I also don't want to see her close her eyes and immediately become great at meditating. Like it, it's a very different story of the thing that was holding Cora back is that eh, she doesn't feel like it. Um, and I don't think that that's the story they're trying to tell, but it feels like we missed a big chunk of Cora struggling to make this connection and how it made her feel about herself and and what it was, especially because, for lack of a better term, mindfulness is such an internal, personal thing that's difficult to do. I mean, it's real, especially if you're an active person, if you're a a person whose brain moves really fast. I am obviously one of those people. Um you you can't always walk into the quiet room even if you're in a middle box right like your mind just races and it's very hard to find a place of stillness um with yourself and if you can't find that with yourself how on earth can you connect to in this case previous selves so that i found a little bit not frustrating so much as like a 
bit of a missed opportunity, uh, but it was still a great episode and the flashbacks knocked me right in my ass. How scary, how cool, how moving. My perfect Sokka. I love that he's still name dropping the boomerang, all of that <laughs> stuff. You, how often do you think Sokka tells that combustion man story? Just oh, all the time. At least once a week now. As yeah. a child, much more. And then people, I'm assuming he's married maybe to Suki or maybe not. Maybe he's just happy. I don't know. But somebody in his life was like, listen, man, you got to stop telling that story. It gets longer. It gets more elaborate. No one believes you. We've all Combustion heard Combustion Man is just bigger and taller and further away every time he tells it. The boomerang just soars yep. on the perfect parabola or whatever the actual geometric term for that is. Um, just perfectly every time. And it just gets more amazing each time he tells it. And then he tells the story and then Toph goes, I'm sorry, don't you mean Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man? Yes. Uh, and he gets very mad and yeah. Yeah. Marcus says uh, they confirmed that Combustion Man was firebending. The thing I like about the Combustion Man drop name drop there uh, is that it's a, just a reminder that this is not a new thing to have someone be specifically and uniquely uh, adept at a subset of like the overall bending that makes them particularly potent, right? So Combustion Man with firebending and your cone with bloodbending. So it, like, like this isn't a new thing we made up for Korra, guys. We've been doing this the whole time, sort of from the writers. Yeah, um, I think my problem with um, Out of the Past is really everything that Allison just said, but I actually consider it frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the demands of being a what was intended to be a 12-episode miniseries one-off kind of requires you to have at least one episode in which it's just a big narrative shortcut um, to get you to Turlock is your cone's kid. So here we go, everyone. Here's here's the thing. Um, so that we can get to that and that so that we can have that information and solve that mystery and then lead into this larger thing of Amon, take, Amon showing up seemingly out of nowhere taking Tarlock's bending and then taking Tarlock. Um, and that is interesting, I think. But it's just the ways in which we get there, I think, are just kind of frustrating. And I agree that it's very much a, well, platinum box, I guess, yes, no, like you said, Kate. It's just, well, I guess I have to do it now because um, I don't have anything else to do and I can't punch my way out of this thing. Um, but we do still get to see her be resourceful, like her way of like tricking out the lieutenant with... Um, holding herself up on the bars so as he cool. sh- shocks the pod. Yeah, no, it's super neat. So cool. Um, I'm not sure it's how that works, but yes. Depends <laughs> <laughs> um, on what the cloth is. That could work. It could yeah. be rubber. It could be yeah. like rubber gauntlets. I mean, we're yeah. we're in sort of a, we're doing sort of a bat universe thing. Yeah. She could be wearing no. something that's. I'm not going to begrudge them that. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, Marcus says it seemed to be such an info dump and then seemingly resolved the Tarlock arc all in one episode. Um, it did not resolve the Tarlock op, so just <laughs> look forward to that. Um, Man, I was going to drink some water. No, there's okay. more. Um, they'll find out in like a couple of hours when they watch it anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what it is, even though I still enjoy like a lot of the stuff with Team Avatar plus Lin and Tenzin trying to find her and then getting misdirected by Tarlock and, but still discovering like a major equalist base and how they're moving around the city so well. Um, and so I think all of that's pretty good. And we get to see a lot of good leadership from Lynn as well in terms of 
calling for action and that kind of stuff. So I think that there's a lot of good stuff. It's just the meat of the episode and the thing of the episode just kind of, they needed to do it and they couldn't figure out a slightly more elegant way to do it. Yeah. Well, let's move to our main episode here, which is uh, Turning the Tides. And uh, let's start with Lynn because just like, it's it's just so epic. It's so amazing. Yeah. Her her last stand and like, I was like, this is like you remember, remember what Toph did you know, back in the day. Now this is seventy years later, and uh, she her daughter has had a lot of time to practice, and she is just so amazing. the The scoring is really good there. Yes, it's very straightforward. Like it's you know stereotypical epic scoring but i don't care it worked on me um and the 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 timing like that they give it you know the the look back the decision uh yeah it's just really it's just really cool it's really well storyboarded and structured yeah i think that whole final act um from the decision to depart through that last shot that we get of general Iroh um is is honestly pretty magnificent it it made me feel oh you know when back in the day when we used to say it's on Nickelodeon it's on Nickelodeon it's on mm-hmm. Nickelodeon uh I feel like I can't say that anymore um yeah. you know what I mean and I know yeah. that it is um but it was brutal in a way I wasn't totally prepared for incredibly sophisticated in terms of the way that it's storyboarded and the dialogue um in the structure and all of the choices leading up to it that allow that act to sort of flow the way it does it feels like the first time that Cora has really capitalized fully on the history of the show and our emotional connection to that history. Because when Lynn turned and looked back at those blimps and then looked at that family, I was thinking about all of the things she must be thinking about. All the things she must be thinking about. She had just reminded us that they are the only airbenders in the world. So there's that piece of it. And the stakes are incredibly high for that reason alone. Then all of the backstory um between the two of them between Tenzin and Lin suddenly gets a little bit richer and fuller and more interesting and more gritty because it's not about the drama and it's not about the love triangle it's about something else entire it's about history and connection and compassion and forgiveness and a bunch of things like that and then she's looking back so i'm immediately thinking about her mother which means i'm thinking about this woman also as a child and what her mother was able to do with that blimp and what it's going to mean for her. And watching her make that decision was so moving. And, and then it sort of made me realize that we've been getting nothing but hero shots of her for like two episodes. Like we got the taking the badge off hero shot and we've got like, go back in the house. I'll stay like all of that stuff. Hero shot after hero shot after hero shot. So amazing. So that, and it feels like a gift from the show to the character, right? That she gets these amazing battles before this huge part of her, this fundamental part of her is taken away. And then on top of that, 
using that as a, a way to get us in this sort of sorrowful, admiring place so that when we hear that young man say, or when we hear the, his, I guess his report, say General Iroh, we are fully prepared for all of the implications of that. All of what it, who that we hear his voice and then we hear his name and it just, um, is so rich and juicy and interesting and sad and poetic. And I just thought it was beautiful. But I think the single best decision about all of it, and I swear to God, I'm almost done talking. The single best decision they make is for Naga to punch Mustache Man out of the air <laughs> yeah. with her dog bear fist in the middle of it because it's so awesome and satisfying and funny, but it's just a spike upward. It doesn't take you out of the place you're in. It just heightens it and makes it that much sweeter and stranger and more painful. I I I think it really that last act is astonishing. Yeah, we focus on the dog part of polar bear dog a lot with Naga. Uh, that's a full-on polar bear moment. And yeah, it's very, very good. Uh, no, polar bears are just brutal and vicious and should not be messed with. Do not they're... mess with polar bears. <laughs> yeah, no, like, seriously, like, you're not supposed to mess with moose and you're not supposed to mess with polar bears because any animal that's surviving in the Arctic, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't mess with. No, it's not. There's a there's a reason they're yeah. able to survive up there because uh, yeah. you don't mess with them. Uh, Noel, how how was you know this episode for you revisiting you know everything with Lynn? It was really good. Um, I was just remembering it as I was watching it and then just like getting slightly a bit ahead of it, like I said, just really ramped it up for me. Um, but I also just really appreciated the ways in which Lynn, through the course of these two episodes, as um, Allison said, gets a lot of hero stuff and gets a lot of like real buildup in terms of who she is and what her priorities are. Um, it feels much more about her than it does about Cora um, and the rest of the team. And I like that from a character perspective. Um, so much so that when you get those little spikes, like with Naga pulling a Dikembe Mutombo and just smacking Lieutenant um, out of the air, um, Allison um, is cracking up right now, listeners, with my solid, solid nine, so late 90s, early aughts, Atlanta Hawks no, reference. No, no, no. Yeah. Yes. Ah, what yeah. a good joke oh i can't wait to tell tom that joke sorry continue <laughs> yeah um but it also makes me feel a little bad for the lieutenant because he keeps getting hit out of things into the ground um it's just what happens to him um but you also get all the stuff with the kids showing up to help her as well so you get <laughs> janoris screeching in with get away from my dad's ex-girlfriend uh, <laughs> Which is just an amazing joke. Um, but then you get Milo fart bending, um, <laughs> which is also just an amazing little joke. Um, that you can just imagine Aang looking from wherever the avatar is and going, that's my grandkid right there. And just like nudging, nudging, um, um, Roku and going, see, my kid, my grandkid right there. I've got all these pictures. See, all these pictures. <laughs> um, so it's just, I think about that and it's just like, it's very funny. It's very amusing. Um, so I, I like how they just kind of layer in that sense of community to, to your point, Allison, really ratchet up that um, 
the danger that they're all in because they very they they have shied away from the fact of not mentioning the fact that Tenzin's family is the only airbenders, but they're the only airbenders. Mm-hmm. All the other folks are just acolytes, people who ascribe to the air nomad like philosophy and lifestyle, but they're not actually airbenders. It's just Tenzin and three kids. Yeah. That's it. Um maybe four, who knows? We won't know about Rohan for a little bit or Rohan? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. We won't know about Rohan. Um, I, for Pema's sake, I hope and pray. <laughs> um, uh, I have a ahead. quick question for you, Noel. Did, um, am I crazy or am I remembering that Tenzin had siblings? He does have siblings, yes. And they're not benders? I imagine we'll have to watch oh. and see. Go ahead. Re- hydrate. Go ahead. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. No, Tenzin has siblings. We can confirm that they are not airbenders, um, but what they are, we don't know. Yeah. Um, I will say that one of them going forward is much more prominent than the other one, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, more on that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that there's just, it just really ups the stakes in a lot of ways. Um, and so it's just really exciting. And like, I don't even remember like, or even really want to talk about all the weird relationship dramas or the fact that they're really teeing up Asami for a face-heel turn over a jilted heart because Mako's a jerk. He's just a jerk. Mako's dumb. He's just so stupid. I hate him so much. Like And it's like, Mako, you don't need to not feel what you're feeling. You just need to also be sensitive to the other people that are around you while you are feeling those things and expressing those things. It is very possible to be worried about Cora and not a dick to your girlfriend. Those two things can coexist. I, I think the the episode does a really good job of keeping you very strongly with Asami. Oh no, all the way. <laughs> As this is happening. Like uh, yes, they could be setting up a heel turn, but for me, I it doesn't for me it doesn't really feel like that. Like if I look at the plot points like on like lined up is like okay so then we set up the heel turn but for me the performance and just the um some of the choices the animation like in the reaction shots and you know and and also the work they've done setting her up to this point doesn't feel so much like that as it does like oh great so now i'm gonna i'm stuck here uh with my boyfriend my soon-to-be ex-boyfriend and the girl he actually likes and my dad is is a nut job extremist and I don't have my mansion anymore. And we, and Cora crashed the car and et cetera, et cetera. Um, she's having, a, she's having a rough time. Um, Marcus says, how old are they supposed to be? Obviously older than the avatar kids, but are they still teens? Um, and no, like the idea, I think it was for like the people who were like the avatar gangs ages when avatar the last airbender started, had then aged, you know, X number of years while that show was on the air. So then Korra starts with around roughly the age that the fans would have been. Like a Harry Potter aging while you read it kind of situation. Right. So, like, late teens is kind of the situation for those characters, as I recall. Yeah. Um, like, Korra is, like, canonically 17, so I just kind of assume that everyone else is around at least 17 years old. Um, maybe mm-hmm. 18. Um, that, so, because it kind of helps explain why they're all just so bad at communicating with each other, in part because they're TV characters, 
and in part because they're teenagers. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's sort of like how you're supposed to split that difference um, with like how they're behaving. But yeah, so they're in their late teens. Um, like I think generally across the board, you're supposed to consider them in their late teens. Yeah. Um, so any other aspects of this episode we want to talk about the like obviously we've talked about the immediate ratcheting of stakes of like yeah Amon is gonna come from your for your children too obviously guys what show have you been watching um and and the uh I, I like that you know we already mentioned the Naga moment but I like how it, like Naga's like oh yeah no I understand what's going on I'm not gonna you know you can all ride right on my back right now because like obviously I'm yeah. on board so let's get out of here um were there any other moments, uh, any other aspects you guys wanted to talk about? I didn't take notes this time, so I have less. <laughs> I did. Okay. Once I realized that I'd been had, <laughs> I paused and started taking notes. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just a, a hope, uh, not so much as a prediction as a hope. But what I hope is going to happen with um, our little love quadrangle that's really more of a triangle um, is that that Cora is going to say, dude, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't know what's happening, but she seems nice. And it seems like, like there's a better way to deal with this. And then they become best friends. And then maybe they also fall in love. Uh, Cora and Asami, um, <laughs> to be perfectly clear. Um, no, I just, I want to say again, how much I admired this episode. I don't know that it, that I think it's the, the best episode of Korra, but I think that last act is as good as any of the stuff that we saw in Avatar, um, like right on par with the very best acts uh, or set pieces of the show. Um, I, I just found it very moving and I sort of can't wait to watch it again. Like I want to watch the finale. Obviously I'm really stoked, but part of me just wants to watch that last, I don't know, seven or eight minutes again. Cause Holy cow. Isn't it remarkable to think that like, We've had about three scenes of Lynn metal bending and like being a badass. Like that's it. Like there's, there's, you know, the, and the winner is, mm -hmm. and then there's this basically. And it's like, yeah, that's all we need. We're yeah. like, that's, oh, that's yeah. enough. <laughs> well, and we've seen her and we saw, I guess there's the chase. Um, yeah. The, the tunnels chase. Um, every time we see her use her Toph vision, it just, Ooh, it fills me with so much joy. Um, and, and I think it's really cool to see that sort of connection between the two, because then you get to sort of imagine Toph teaching her how to do that and teaching her the way that she taught Aang. And, um, and that's all really, and then, you know, I'm thinking about, oh, well, what was Aang like with Lynn when she was a child? Cause obviously they were buds and, um, and all of that stuff. It's very fun to sort of fill in the gaps in, in that relationship for me. Yeah. The, was it a few episodes ago when they're like, oh no, Aang, uh, Aang got along great. With uh, with 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 Lynn or or whatever it was, the he's like, oh yeah, no, no, they they, they got along famously. It was not that. Um, yeah, it's fun to to imagine and think about that. It also just reminds me of like in all of Avatar, we only really got a few scenes showing us what Iroh is capable of. Uh, and, and that, that is one of those things where you're like, oh, I wish we had got, he, he only got to fire breathe once. Oh, Kate, that's such a good comparison because you're totally right. And yet my, my memory of that character, my response of that character 
one of the things that looms largest is his formidable abilities and what he chose to do with them. Mm -hmm. So it's great to sort of have that connection. And while it's what happens to Lynn is heartbreaking, I assume that that means we're now going to get to explore what it means for that character to be in this position. And while upsetting, that is also super interesting. Just like exploring anything with Iroh in terms of his grief and um, his concern for Zuko and all of that was also very interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, rough, but let's do this. <laughs> Noel, do you have any fi- final thoughts? I do not. Just that I'm very excited for us to watch the finale and discuss it tomorrow. Okay, well, uh, the final two episodes uh, of the season, episodes 11 and 12, are called Skeletons in the Closet and Endgame. So, thoughts, predictions, Allison? Uh, skeletons in the closet. I assume we're going to learn about a new skill called bone bending, where, and this is, this will be what Amon can do, which is somehow connected to energy bending, aka soul bending. And, uh, and he'll get skeletons out of their graves. Jason and turn the them, style. Totally. And turn them into a, a skeleton army, um, to fight on his behalf. But that is when all of his followers will realize that he's been duping them and then they'll fight the skeletons. That's my prediction one. Prediction two. What was the other one called? Endgame. Um, we know what the Avengers ripped off. So the finale will be Tom Hyping journey through Avatar The Last Bedrender and the time in between the two series. That's Marcus's <laughs> guess. Um, nice. Endgame. Great. I, I'm guessing that Endgame in Endgame... Um, Ooh, this is going to be a deep cut. We'll see if anyone actually responds to this joke. Um, we see that, let's say, Lynn? No. Ooh, who should it be? Uh, Icky? Is that middle child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Icky is living in a trash can. And she's sitting in her trash can next to... Um, to Lynn, who's in a wheelchair, and it's the apocalypse, and they just talk about the end of days, and nothing happens, and then it ends. Okay, Marcus yeah, says I think is... it would be Milo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, it, it's, that works. It's not that. This is a Samuel Beckett joke, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yes. No, no, no. Just I, making sure. I'm okay. Uh, okay. I figured maybe you guys got it. I'm not yeah, sure yeah. that. You know, I don't know how into Beckett Vince is, for example. Um, (laughs) But that was a... It was a bad one. And I think I also threw some happy days in there. It's been a while. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, um, it's not like you did Godot either. You went with... (laughs) Well, it is called Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. Anyway, um, but I could also do a Godot joke. I would love to see Avatar: The Last Airbender style, waiting for Godot. Bring it! Oh my God, Ang and Sokka just waiting, just waiting at the crossroads. I would love that so much. No, it's definitely those two guys who kidnapped Hoth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, I uh, don't want to make any actual predictions. Okay. Um, although, you know what? I'll make one prediction. I'm going to predict. Uh, that we get some spirit world stuff and that Korra can't really control it because you said it's book two spirit. So I'm guessing that's going to be the real meat of it. But maybe like in a super precarious position, she goes into the Avatar state or she for a while. I thought when um, when Naga woke her up in the snow 
that we were going to realize that that was some spirit world shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they showed the city and I was like, oh, okay, I guess not. Um, so yeah, I'm spirit world shenanigans is my only earnest prediction. Okay. Marcus predicts that Cora will airbend at a crucial moment. A good prediction. Okay. Good prediction. Um, Yeah, well, we will have more thoughts on this tomorrow when we talk about the finale. Very much looking forward to it. And then on uh, the day after, we'll do our, on Friday, we'll do our end of season kind of wrap up and chat with everyone. I can't believe that we're at the end of the season already. It feels like we just started this show. Are y'all going to tease anything? Or are you just going to mess with me again? I'm not. It's good. It's really good. I'm looking forward to it. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we'll leave it there. Thank you to Marcus for hanging out with us in the Zoom and for sharing your thoughts. Thank you to everybody who's listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Bye.